The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber and recorded at Dolphin Image Studios in Winter Haven. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Joe. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners a little bit about the studios. Thanks, Katie. At Dolphin Image Studios, we are a full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, a psych wall, an LED wall, a podcast studio, and a massive eight-acre backlot for all of your filming needs. To find us, go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios, or find us on Instagram at Dolphin Image Studios. 2020 has been a year to remember, or forget, depending on how you look at it, for all of us. But imagine being the leader of a hospital during this past year and navigating the unthinkable. On today's episode, we are honored to speak with Steve Nearman, president of BayCare's Winter Haven Hospital. We focus not only on life during the pandemic, but also speak about the massive investments Winter Haven Hospital has made over the last eight years to their facilities and their programming to help keep our community healthy and thriving. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors who believe in advancing commerce and community in Winter Haven. Citizens Bank and Trust, we've been your hometown full-service financial institution right here in your backyard since 1920. Now in our third generation of family ownership, we've served the Polk County community for over 100 years. No matter your needs, we have the right financial solutions for you. At Citizens Bank and Trust, we've got you covered, from secure checking and personal savings plans to a wide range of personal, mortgage, and business loans. Additionally, we offer a highly experienced group of trust and private banking professionals located right here in Polk County. It takes just one visit to one of our 14 convenient locations to experience what makes our bank special and why we invite you to give us a try. At Citizens Bank and Trust, we're proud to be your bank. Citizens-Bank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Steve Nearman started at Winter Haven Hospital in 2013 when they merged with BayCare Health Systems. As you'll hear in today's interview, since that time, the growth in our hometown hospital has been exponential. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Well, thank you, Katie. I've never done a podcast, so this is exciting for me. <laughs> Baby book moment right here, yes, your very first yes. podcast. So there is obviously a lot to unpack with you about what we've all experienced in the past year. But first, let's start by learning a little bit more about you. Did you grow up thinking you wanted to go into healthcare? I uh, actually did not. Um, I grew up in the 80s, and my goal was to be Tom Cruise and fly fighter jets. Of course, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what happened with that dream? <laughs> well, I came close. Uh, Did you? Actually went to uh, the Air Force Academy mm -hmm. and uh, went into the active duty Air Force. Unfortunately, I, I lost my 
uh, sight qualification as a pilot, and I had to choose something else. Oh, and, wow. uh, just sort of landed into uh, healthcare mm-hmm. um, back in the uh, late 80s, mm-hmm. or, or I'm sorry, late 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you go through the Air Force in general? So you served in the military, and then did you, what'd you do after you served in the military? So it was actually a uh, nuclear weapons controller. Interesting. <laughs> I did not know this about you, Steve. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> well, uh, for five years, um, mm-hmm. we had weapons in Europe, and uh, that was my responsibility, and practiced that every day. But uh, made a decision after five years to uh, separate and come into the uh, workforce Mm -hmm. and uh, interviewed with a number of companies and just ended up in a health insurance industry, which is different. Mm -hmm. But uh, that led to being in a hospital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And really learning the operation side of of the industry. Yes. Uh, Well, I felt in the uh, in the insurance side, I was in responsible for negotiating with hospitals. So you had to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's good. You've been on both sides of that issue now. I actually have. Yeah. yeah, I've negotiated for both parties, your mm-hmm. insurance company as well as your hospital. And when I was working for a hospital doing that, uh, the CEO one day said, you spend a lot of time out in my hospital talking to my doctors and managers. Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, how are you supposed to uh, negotiate pricing if you don't know <laughs> right. what your services are, what the cost structure is? So that's mm-hmm. how I kind of got started. Oh, wow. Uh, while, okay. A long time ago. Did, how Have you always been with BayCare? Was that your first entree into no. the healthcare operations side? Or? Yeah, I've had experience uh, across the industry. So mm-hmm. two different for-profit hospital chains mm-hmm. before BayCare. But uh, I tell you, I've been in Florida 20 years and um, always knew that if I had an opportunity, I'd, I'd want to work for BayCare. Mm-hmm. Just a very strong reputation for being a high-quality company. Absolutely. So you moved to Winter Haven when, of course, Winter Haven Hospital merged with BayCare, and that was back in 2013. Yes. So what yes. were your first impressions of Winter Haven? Well, um, I came from Plant City. And uh, I thought there couldn't possibly be a place where people were more welcoming and friendly than Plant City. <laughs> but I think I found it. Yeah. And uh, Winter Haven and uh, everybody from day one, uh, the hospital uh, board of trustees, they're all people that you know and, mm-hmm. and we live with. Um, joining the Jam- Chamber of Commerce and all the businesses that serve. I just just being out in the community and downtown, you knew people everywhere you went and they mm-hmm. would go out of their way to make you feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a first impression. My second impression was, oh, I need to get a boat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen so many lakes. Mm-hmm. And I come from um, Ohio, mm-hmm. and there's very few lakes. And mm-hmm. my wife grew up there, so we immediately mm-hmm. invested in a boat. <laughs> yeah. Where were you from in Ohio? Well, I uh, met my wife in Ohio mm-hmm. um, in 1997, but I grew up in Indiana. Oh, okay. And not a lot of lakes there either. No. So. <laughs> one big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Michigan. And we actually lived right close to it. Yeah. But uh, we were fortunate to find a, a place to live on a lake, and we're probably out there every weekend. Yeah, You'll, yeah. You really have uh, become a Winter Haven night in every definition of oh, what that word means. We rarely leave. Yeah. We rarely leave. So, and that kind of, um, I guess, answers what my next question was going to be for you. But, you know, what do you, you really have just, um, like I said, become a Winter Haven Knight. You've really absorbed into the community and um, become a part of its fabric. So what do you enjoy the most about being here? Well, I just, I like being around a community that uh, the people are just good people. Mm -hmm. They they, they give back. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. 
you know, I mentioned the hospital. It's a community community board of trustees that I work for. Um, I look at all the civic clubs and how active they are and how engaged everybody is. And then this this is probably something that everybody doesn't know, but but even the citizens, uh, they elect to have their own health care program for mm-hmm. Polk County, mm-hmm. just for people that live in Polk County, and that costs money. And just uh, it's refreshing to live in a community that feels that way, take care of each other mm-hmm. and, um, you know, give back. Yeah. And and uh, you don't know this, but just the other day, one of your board members called and said, we just have to do something for the people at the hospital. They have been working so hard. And I mean, that yeah. speaks to it's not just a, a board seat that they're sitting on. It is how do they make it? Number one, how do they make it the best hospital in the area? But also, how do they care for your employees and the people that are making it so, you know, they really do. And I see that every day. And I think the other thing and the, maybe the last thing I would say about the community is I, I just saw a tremendous growth in vision mm-hmm. when I got here. Um, this is a, a, a community that's on the move. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first meetings I attended, I think, was at Legoland, and there was all this talk about a intermodal logistics center. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> you're I, Googling I, it on your phone as you're I, sitting there? <laughs> it, it means train, I guess, but um, and cranes. Yeah. But yeah, they just it seemed like a community that was going to be very successful, and they had a vision, and they had the people that wanted to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So. so since you've joined, speaking of growth, since you've joined Winter Haven Hospital, an incredible amount of investment has been made by your team into the infrastructure of the hospital, as well as the programs that are offered. And that list would be very long if you listed out everything you guys have done over the last uh, eight years, eight years yeah. it would be incredible. So I'm going to ask you to do something you should never ask somebody to do, but pick your, <laughs> pick your favorite child. But what are the top three things you're most proud of over the last eight years that you've been at Winter Haven Hospital? That is that is tough to uh, just come up with three. But, um, you know, I, I live in this community. I work in this community. And, um, you know, the hospital is the largest employer in the community. Mm-hmm. And Coming in, independent hospital was struggling. It's tough. It's really tough this day and age to be a a standalone. And so my number one goal is to, we would stabilize and not only stabilize, but grow. Mm -hmm. This this community really needs their hospital and the hospital needs their community support. So I'm proud to say the 2,000, you know, team members, as we call them, and their families uh, have good jobs and, mm-hmm. and we're adding more all the time. So mm-hmm. that that would be number 1. Probably uh, number 2 would just be um healthcare we measure quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so most uh, lay people don't see those measures, but the the measures of quality which are based on outcomes when you go to the hospital, those have improved dramatically. And so don't want to get too technical, but right. uh, that was one of the things Baycare is known for mm-hmm. and uh, we've done a lot and uh, and so we're proud of that. And then lastly, we've you know we've established new programs. Mm-hmm. And I'll just mention one, but um, we we're now training doctors, mm-hmm. and that's never happened in Polk County, and it's it's very much needed in Polk County. And so that's the residency program for family medicine doctors with Florida State University College of Medicine. And that I'd never done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baycare only had one other program similar to that. And so, you know, the board of the hospital really rallied behind that. They saw an opportunity to train and uh, graduate doctors right here in our community. And so that's off the ground and we're continuing to grow in that that, that arena as well. Mm-hmm. And then that's that program really is incredible. 
One, because it addresses such a, a need in this community, which is access to primary care, right. um, which is such a huge part of it. Um, and even the, the group that the last group of residents that came in, which was six individuals, right? Six right. people a year right. that True. are coming in. Yeah. They've all really integrated into the community, um, you know, purchased houses here and things of that nature and really fallen in love with the community. But the sheer number of applications you got for the second year yeah. was just incredible, incredible. Well, uh, we've just been blessed. Um, of course, we're in Florida, and we're in a, a community like Winter Haven, so we've got that going for us. But we found a program director, a doctor, mm -hmm. to run the program who I don't think we could have done any better. Mm -hmm. He was voted the number one family physician by his society in Florida. Wow. And he came with experience. He's a prior Air Force. <laughs> but, um, but he, that didn't earn him extra, any extra points. <laughs> no, but he, he's, he's, he's the real deal. He's, yeah. pa he's passionate. So he's hired a, a, a dedicated faculty of physicians, mm -hmm. and he understood the board's mission from the hospital that not only do we want to train and graduate doctors, but we want this clinic where they practice to you know, serve those who are underserved. Mm -hmm. And we also want to try to make sure these doctors graduate and stick around. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, so last week, I think it was, I had an opportunity to interview Dr. Atkins, who's one of the primary care physicians yes, at my the doctor. Family Health Center. Oh, is he your doctor? <laughs> yes, my doctor. So, uh, and it was funny that you say that because, you know, I, I asked him, this is for an online series for those listening. It's our Ask the Doctor series, and you can find it on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. But I um, had an opportunity to interview him. Of course, I always like to get to know him a little bit, right. you know, Tell right. me about yourself. And of course, he was an engineer um, for years in the coal yeah. industry. He became yeah. he started down the doctor route at like age forty, which you don't <laughs> hear that very often. Hardly ever. Um, but um, you know, obviously, fell in love with it and saw the great need in the rural communities. He was from a very rural part of of Kentucky. Yes. But um, I said, well, how'd you get, how'd you end up here? Oh, here? Because so <laughs> much of his career. And he said, oh well, you know, Doctor Falk. <laughs> yeah, he called me. <laughs> he yeah. called me yeah. and he recruited me down. And I said, well, thank goodness we have a, such a great sales person for the Winter Haven community. Yes. Um, he's done a great job recruiting some just very dedicated and compassionate and just very well-rounded staff um, that's there at the, the Family Health Center. And I'm excited by the um, prospect of that because he's he had 1,100 applicants for the six uh, training positions. Mm -hmm. And so he's very choosy. Mm -hmm. And um, all of his applicants were actually from the state of Florida and several of them from this immediate area. So if they do stick around, just think about that. We're, we're, these are doctors that you already know are high quality. You mm -hmm. actually trained them. And um, I just think it's a unique opportunity rather than just post a, you know, a sign uh, for vacancy and Right. You can actually train and, and recruit and retain. Right, exactly. Well, and you have three years that they're in the program to yeah. make them fall in love with the community, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and show them all the things. I think one is adopted a baby yes. already yes. here. I mean, it's just, there's just so many great stories that come out of the Family Health Center besides the the amazing service that it's providing to the community, which is, you know, the new physicians that have access that you, right. that you have access to, right. plus those physicians in training, um, you know, as a, as a, female childbearing age, the access to greater OBGYN services in the area, and the fact that they round yeah. at the women's um, hospital and all of that. So I, I could go on. For, this is the sales pitch for the Family <laughs> Health Center, apparently. Yeah. But they really do. Um, you've really done a great job building out that program. Thank and you. so, and that's that underscores my next question, which is one thing that I really admire about you and your team um, is that you are not only able to adjust 
to the needs of our community as they exist today, but you're constantly thinking towards the future. What are those growing needs? What's the trajectory of doctors who will be retiring? Or, right. you know, what are those right. needs going to be in the community in the future? And the two topics that, you know, we just talked about a little bit about primary care, but also access to behavioral health services. So what is BayCare doing to address those critical needs? Well, you know, access to be uh, primary care, that residency is our primary strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, mental health services, we are, I believe, the largest provider of mental health services currently, and um, but access is so important. So the Center for Behavioral Health, which is on First Street South, uh, they see 70,000 patient visits. Um, and they have they have uh, therapists in every school in Polk County. Mm -hmm. uh, they do outreach to um, you know individuals who just were released from from prison and families that need help and things like that. But uh, there's this is such a big county geographically that there's still a significant number of people that just can't get to a central mm -hmm. location. So I think I see the biggest opportunity is to make it easy, mm -hmm. make it easy. And the first thing that we did, and this was about two years ago, um, open access. Can you imagine if you come and you're willing to sit there for the better part of a day, you will be seen and you'll leave with a follow-up appointment. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a huge hit at the Center for Behavioral Health and we started seeing the number of patients being served growing, mm -hmm. uh, unique patients being served. So um, we went with, with open access, but we also uh, started using telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are challenged with transportation. We have a good bus service and whatnot, but still, uh, why couldn't we try to make that work, especially with counseling services um, and behavioral health. So we're doing that mm -hmm. as well. So we that was brand new. That actually started in 2021. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're making that an option uh, for all of our patients as they can simp simply, if they have access to a cell phone, mm -hmm. they can uh, visit with their um, healthcare professional, behavioral healthcare professional. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Just that access. And then especially with the ability to say, okay, I've recognized I need help. I need to go see someone. And I'm able to go walk in and see someone um, if I right. need to with that open access. Right. So um, funnily enough, I'm, I'm plugging both things, but I was able to interview Dr. George Winnie on the Ask the Doctor series. Oh, yeah. um, and um, of course, he is the assistant medical director, I believe is his title at the Center for Behavioral Health. Yes. yes. And um, what a lovely gentleman for what he specializes in um, child and adolescence psychiatry yes. but just a bubbly and optimistic personality which I found so striking being that you know what he deals with on a daily basis right. is very challenging yeah. um, and, and frankly probably even more challenging in the social media driven environment that we live in today Very for that true. demographic he he, he um, serves but um, such an optimistic and hopeful person <laughs> <laughs> which I think yeah. is probably what you need to really survive and thrive in in the behavioral health environment but um, we do we do and there's a shortage of people like him mm -hmm. and uh, so you know that's another opportunity is psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the next, um, you know, we train family medicine doctors now. So they're doctors, and then we train them for three years in family medicine. Uh, we just started a program in BayCare in uh, Pasco County mm -hmm. to train psychiatrists. Really? Yeah. Um, I had my hand up as well. Right. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure you fought hard for it, Steve. <laughs> I definitely did. And, and um, but, you know, we they started that in Pasco County, and um, that, that would be a goal in the future is to do that here as well in Polk mm -hmm. County. Yeah, that would be game-changing. Stay with us for more after a word from our sponsors. 
We'd like to welcome and thank Mahalik Auto Group for sponsoring season two of our podcast. This family-owned and operated business was first founded in 1966 in Michigan by Ralph Mahalik Sr. The family opened Winter Haven Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram in 1991 and continued to expand in Polk County, now owning three additional dealerships at Posner Park in Lake Wales and Alfa Romeo Fiat of Winter Haven. Not only are their teams dedicated to finding you the perfect vehicle, but they are also focused on building a strong relationship with the community and treating their buyers like family. Find your new ride for 2021 and learn more at www.lowpaymentkings.com. So um, let's use the most popular word in 2020, which is pivot. (laughs) And uh, let's talk about uh, this last year, because obviously it's been a very challenging year. So when did you first hear about COVID-19? Well, I heard about it, um, you know, back when it was in China Mm -hmm. in January, but that nobody was really worried about it at that point. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, at first it first uh, appeared in Polk County in March Mm -hmm. of, um, of last year. And I tell you, I, we couldn't have been more blessed. And, and this is just, um, I don't know, it's divine intervention. But we, the same week we saw our first COVID patient at Winter Haven Hospital, we opened a brand new intensive care unit mm. and doubled our capacity. Mm. And without that, uh, so we opened a 50 bed in, in intensive care unit and we hadn't closed down the old ones. And so we were, we were just able if we had the staff (laughs) but you can get staff if you um you know you're willing Willing to to pay for it (laughs) if you pay for it but uh, we had we had the um equipment Mm -hmm. and so that that was the first time i'd ever heard about it and i learned a lot our first patient he's he's been quite outspoken um uh keith johnson and so you know i've spoken to him on occasion and We've had team members. We've had doctors Mm -hmm. um, that have had COVID, and unfortunately, a few that uh, haven't Mm -hmm. made it. But Mm -hmm. it's it's been uh, something I never thought that that I would experience. And this this hospital, I'm so proud of them. They they helped this community come through it. Mm -hmm. Yes, they did. And you're right. Um, I feel like Keith Johnson. I didn't realize he was truly the first patient, but he has been very outspoken about his experience, especially in the thick of of um, last year when, you know, everybody was starting to b- debate, you know, the right. efficacy of everything, because right. that's what we do in our modern society. <laughs> there has to be 15 <laughs> sides to every story, right? Yes. But yes. he was, you know, he's a small business owner, very active oh, in yeah. the community. So, um, you know, when, when he thankfully uh, was, um, you know, dismissed as the word discharge, thank you, discharged from the hospital, mm-hmm. he was very vocal about his experience um, on social media and amongst his family. And I think that opened a lot of people's eyes who hadn't had. And one thing I remember you saying um, as we went through it is just don't ever take what your reaction to it is going to be for granted, because that was what was surprising to you through the whole process, wasn't it? It was. It was. And I've had so many conversations with um, with people and family, Mm -hmm. (laughs) family as well. Uh, Well, I don't have to worry about it. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't have any risk factors or Mm -hmm. I'm healthy. you know the odds are that 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 is true, but 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 I've seen it, and uh, you can ask any nurse, any doctor, they've seen it, and and what it is is we all have uh, slightly different genetics, and we have different immune systems, and um, you know some people, you know they just 
are more susceptible to different viruses and different diseases. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've seen, you know, people younger, you know, much much younger than us mm-hmm. that that uh, they didn't, you know. Yeah. They, they caught it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember when, when our family got it and you said, check his oxygen, you know, even yeah. when, Ju- when Justin yeah. had it first and it was, yeah. um, is he okay? Check his oxygen levels. Make right. sure you're checking that frequently as one of the leading indicators if he was going to have some, some issues down the road and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. but you do, you think, well, I'm healthy and, you know, I'm young yeah. and I work out and I've never had yeah. any issues. And... But you're not infallible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So as a, as a administrator, what was this like for you? Because this was like something that we have, none of us have ever experienced in our lifetime, but to be the leader at the hospital that everyone was looking to, um, and, and I know people in the community were probably calling you every day, so you're dealing with that versus everything you've got going on at the hospital. What was that like for you from a career standpoint and a personal standpoint? Well, it, you know, obviously it's, um, you know, a lot of responsibility, but mm-hmm. one that I don't take lightly uh, the first lesson learned is uh, we just didn't have the resources. Uh, we didn't have, if you can believe this, um, we didn't have enough gloves. We mm. didn't have enough masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so resources were number one. Uh, supplies we were buying all the way from China. We were getting them from anywhere. There's a black market. <laughs> it had to be certified. Um, we had to provide our patients and our team the equipment that they needed to take care of people. But um you know, the other lesson learned was uh, we need to do all we can, even if it's outside the four walls of the hospital. So while we were taking care of an, a very high number of uh, critical care and and uh, less acute patients in the hospital, uh, Dr. Jackson over at the um, mm-hmm. county health department said we, we desperately need help to not only test people for COVID, but to vaccinate the general population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so a lot of hospitals would have said, well, our job is to take care of people when they get it, not help right. diagnose prevent. it, prevent it. Right, and, right. Um, but no, our, our board at the hospital uh, took a different approach. Mm-hmm. They said, uh, just tell us what you need us to do. Uh, we, we are fortunate. And we have this large Gil Jones property mm-hmm. out uh, north of town. And so we immediately started a testing operation, and it was the uh, most accurate uh, PCR molecular test. And so we've tested over 35,000 people hmm. in this community, and it's, a, it's an accurate diagnosis. And we've vaccinated, uh, on behalf of the Department of Health, um, 8,000. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, and so I think, you know, that was something that uh, I learned is don't just think about you know, yourself and the and, and the facility that you're at, think about how you can even do more. Right. And right. I'm proud to say that we did. What other lessons from a leadership perspective did you, you know, walk away with on, you know, it's interesting with the supply question, because I think, you know, the whole country was going, well, we always keep enough gloves on hand for X, but you didn't anticipate this onslaught of things. So what other lessons did you walk away with from this past year? Well, uh, just to appreciate your most precious resource, which mm-hmm. is the people you have working for your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, people probably wouldn't see it, didn't realize it, but they put their lives at risk mm-hmm. every day. Uh, these nurses that worked on the COVID unit with a virus that they didn't know much about and the doctors were still figuring out how to treat, um, you know, the doctors that were doing the same, it, it's just humbling. Um, they, we did have people that got sick at work. We mm-hmm. did have doctors that got sick at work. 
um, and so it just gave me a, a renewed appreciation for self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. People that you know are thinking about others, and um, you mm-hmm. know I can show you the video Keith Johnson did, but uh, of the nurse that took care of him. But it, it just it, it says it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it really does. It really does. And how lucky we are. And they, they walk among us. I mean, they're yeah. around us. And, they're your you know, neighbors. They are. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, as a healthcare professional, how do you feel about the general community feeling that we've made it past this? And I mean, if you walk out right now, it, it yeah. frankly, it feels normal. Like yeah. it, it really, yeah. especially in Polk County, it's a little bit different. If you go, I was in Orange County last week, a lot of people aren't back in their offices yet and still right. have to wear masks in a lot of places. But as a healthcare professional watching this all happen, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's something that you assess each and every day. And I speak regularly to our um, city officials, mm-hmm. um, to our county officials. And if the numbers are going in the right direction, then, you know, react accordingly. You shouldn't be, you know, over prescriptive if it's mm-hmm. actually, you know, something that's becoming less of a concern. And same token, if it's if it's about to go be out of control, mm-hmm. take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And so we are seeing reduced rates of positivity. We are definitely seeing far fewer people being hospitalized. The mortality rates are just a fraction of what they were. So, I, you know, just be appreciative of what the science and the data is telling mm-hmm. you. And uh, Dr. Jackson at the county has done a tremendous job communicating with everybody in the community about how we're doing, what we need to do. So we we masked when we needed to. Mm-hmm. We I think we lifted it when we didn't necessarily need to mandate it anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, just communicate right. and <laughs> react accordingly. <laughs> In terms of vaccinations, do you feel like, I feel like um, I was with uh, Dr. Jackson on Friday, and I I feel like she said something around 44% of Polk County has been yes. of eligible people. Yes. Does that number sound right? It around does. 44? It does. Um, what would be your wish to see, I mean, in terms of more people getting vaccinated and things along those lines? Um, maybe the Ohio governor would visit. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ohio... See, I, I, I happen to believe it's not an issue of most people just not believing in vaccines. Right. I, I believe it's an issue of access and convenience. Hmm. And in Ohio, uh, Governor Mike DeWine uh, created a lottery, $5 million, uh, $1 million, uh, per re- recipient. And so anybody who received a vaccine and they were in the state database was in the lottery. And every week for five weeks, he's going to give a million dollars. to Really? Yep, yep. Really? And you just think about it. It has a return on investment mm-hmm. because if he's successful in getting a significant number of people vaccinated, the state pays most of the health care costs for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to pay itself back, you know, mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching that closely to see if it works. But, um, you know, that's an incentive. That's a financial incentive. But another is just ease of access. So it should be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at the grocery stores already, yes. But, uh, you know, take it to employers, mm-hmm. um, to sporting events. You know, interesting, I was reading the number one country for vaccination is Israel. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the hardest the hardest uh, demographic is young people. Mm-hmm. They don't really see an urgency or a need. Well, they went to where they were. They went to the bars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was almost, um, you know, something that they would compete with each other. And it, I dare you to go get a COVID shot. Yeah. Um, but it worked. You know, they, they went to where people were. And then they had public officials and famous people. Um, I, I, I won't belabor this, but people sometimes will listen to 
professional athletes more than their doctor. Yeah. So we, we saw a vulnerable population when we were vaccinating in Polk County in Winter Haven, and that's uh, the Haitian community. Mm. And there's 10 Haitian churches in Polk County. And so we set a goal to actually go to those places. Well, they weren't interested. And uh, we even offered to have a doctor come and talk about mm-hmm. vaccination. It's safe and this and that. But uh, we had just vaccinated uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we vaccinated three different uh, professional sports teams. And so um, one of our managers said, there's a really famous uh, player on the Phillies who's Haitian. Mm-hmm. Let's have him come to church on Sunday. And, and, and he got vaccinated and he can tell them. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he did. And it worked. Wow, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah. I think what you're seeing now is some movie stars and, you know, people that people. There's the influencers. Yeah. Right? yeah There's influencers. Yeah, influ- Let's have vaccine influencers. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. And I think that, I mean, there is some fear or distrust or whatever it might be. But I think mm-hmm. as more I mean, I've even heard it from, you know, people in my peer group that sure. oh, I'll let that first wave of people and see what happens to y'all and then I'll <laughs> then I'll go out um and and do it but I, it it has been interesting to see because this is this is one of those things where most people don't ask health questions most right. people but right. now we just openly go into thing you know rooms and I'm like oh don't worry I'm vaccinated <laughs> you vaccinated I'm vaccinated you know Trust so it becomes me. <laughs> it becomes a point yeah. of pride so um so I'll kind of end on a on a looking forward note. So in your mind, what do you look to as the greatest opportunities you see for Winter Haven Hospital going forward and what as their greatest challenges going forward? Uh, they go hand in hand. I, I just continue to see growth. Um, we've seen we're the, we've seen more growth in this market of bay care and bay cares in four counties. Big, big counties like Hillsborough County, Pinellas County, uh, but Polk County just continues to grow year over year. And the hospital and the number of patients we're serving continues to grow. Um, so that's an opportunity, uh, but it's also a challenge. Mm-hmm. Keep, you have to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the recruitment of not only licensed professionals, but the hospital doesn't work without the unlicensed professional and our housekeepers, the, the, the folks that clean the room every day and the folks that serve the food, um, they're critically important. And I don't take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, there's not enough of them either. And so we are needing to figure this out. We, we need to not only train more, but we need to be able to um, hire faster. And I, I just know that that's going to be the key to our success is our most important resource mm-hmm. as people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, of course, from... You know, I gave birth at Winter Haven Women's Hospital twice. I and remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, besides the amazing nurses and the, the physicians and, and everybody there, the two people that have stuck with me the most are the housekeepers. Because, yeah. of course, Sharon. You know, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I remember... Um, one just was the happiest person on the planet. This was the the pre-COVID when they could hang out in your room a little bit more, you yeah. know, and you could talk yeah. to them and all of that. Right. And um, she'd been working there for a long time, but just, just the happiest person. And then I remember um, when I had Carter, which of course uh, was April second, twenty twenty. So it was right when, um, when the lockdown was in place, and the housekeeper was. Um, um, she was talking about how, you know, she was working here and then she had to go home and teach her kids school yes, for the rest yes. of the night, you know I mean? And just how I just walked away with how hardworking she was yeah. because she was here all day making our experience, you know, wonderful mm-hmm. at the hospital. And then 
dealing with what a lot of parents were, which was going home and teaching her kids for the rest of the night, their school programming for the day, which was just incredible. So just such a a hard working. We've talked a lot about how the people are what makes Winter Haven Hospital and your your network of providers in the Winter Haven area uh, so key. But it really is. I mean, you have got such great people, Steve, that work for you there that just truly care about the health and vitality of the community. And that's our opportunity for success is the Mm -hmm. culture of the people Mm -hmm. and we've got a good base to build on because most of them are coming from Polk County Mm -hmm. in this community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that went full circle. You talked about how wonderful the people here were yeah. welcoming you here, and then it goes right into the people that are working for you at the hospital as all our about the largest employer. So, yeah. well, Steve Nierman, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really thank appreciate you, it. Thank you. Advent Health Center Care is Florida's urgent care leader. Their providers are available seven days a week and after hours to treat urgent conditions like broken bones, infections, allergies, and stomach problems. At Center Care, you'll find the compassionate medical professionals and world-class expertise you need to feel better again fast. Walk in or visit centracare.org to schedule an online reservation. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Steve Nierman, president of Winter Haven Hospital. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hoped you learned a little bit about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.